Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. A young man went to this Fortune 500 company to whom he had submitted his resume. He was ready for his job interview. He went past level one and level two, and he sat before the CEO. The CEO commended him because his resume was quite impressive. The CEO had a couple other questions for this young man and the other candidates that remained. So the CEO asked the young man, so did you get scholarships to get all these degrees? And the young man chimed in and said, well, for some of them, but otherwise my my parents are very generous and supportive, and I'm very thankful. He said, really, what what does your dad do? Well, he's a carpenter. He works in the shop out behind our house. Really? Yeah, he owns his own company. He's been doing that for 40-some years now. Really? Yeah. So what did you do? Well, no, my, my parents insisted that I study. So I applied myself as diligently and as studiously as possible. So I didn't do any other work on the side. Well, your, your grades kind of show it, the CEO said. Let me, let me see your hands. The CEO held his out, hands out like this, and the young man kind of looked at him, and why does this man want to hold my hands? And, and stretched his hands out, and the CEO looked at his hands and kind of used his thumb and rubbed them all over, and they were what you would call indoor hands. It's a soft, baby's bottom-esque. No offense, ladies, they were a little girly. And the CEO said, you know, I I have a follow-up interview only with the top candidates, and you are one of them. But I have a special job for you. It's it's here in this envelope. Just just go ahead and and pack up your things. And as he's packing up his things, he wrote on this little note, and he slipped it in the envelope, and he handed it to the young man, stood up, shook his hand, and said, I'll see you tomorrow at this time. The young man said, okay, smiled, and thought that everything went well. His resume was solid. He thought he had the job in the bag, and... He went on his way. He went home and he opened up the envelope and he did what the envelope said. He got a basin, warm water, soapy, had a washcloth, and a towel. And he's sitting there kind of distressed at the table, frustrated, kind of creeped out a little bit too. And his father comes in from the shop and he's very interested in wondering how it went. I, how, how was the big interview today? And, and his son said, it was, it was good, um, a little weird. But, but it was good. He, he liked the resume. Everything went well. You know, we talked through the job and requirements, and he asked me some other questions. But, it, but I, he asked me to do one other thing, and I can't really get into all the details. I just need, need you to do one thing. And the dad said, okay. Just, dad, can you just sit down for a set and just give me your hands? The father just kind of bristled at this. He's give me your hands. So he, his father gave him his hands. And if you're wondering what this has to do with everything we've been talking about, you've probably caught on by now. How long does it take for you to get wherever you are and to forget what it took for you to get where you are today? The CEO had a a reason why he told that young man to, to go and to do what he was supposed to do with his father's hands. And you can imagine why. This whole thing that we get to celebrate every year, as you well know, is about a whole lot more than just football and some turkey and stuffing and the other things that the kids talked about in the children's message and the things that we spared them from mentioning. 
it has to do with not forgetting. Even way back in 1863, when Abe Lincoln kind of started this thing with his speech, he said, and I quote, we are prone to forget, and that's maybe one thing that we need to be saved from. Because forgetting doesn't just hinder your memory and your process in life. It actually affects your heart, and, and we can make the case today on the basis of Moses' words in Deuteronomy 8 that it affects your soul. If you forget the things that God has done for you, the ways that he is so clearly in front of your eyes, spoon-feeding you and giving you all that you need for body and life and everything else, then, then it doesn't just affect a week. It doesn't just affect Thanksgiving Day. It affects the way that you view absolutely everything in your life as you exude a heart of thankfulness. And I know you want that. I want that too, a heart of gratefulness that doesn't just positively impact the people closest to us, but the people who don't know us that want to know what's different about us than the rest of this ungrateful and begrudging world. You want that, and I know you do. And that's what God wants us to have today, too, through his word. I, I invite you to have that lesson open. Deuteronomy 8, the Old Testament lesson that I read just earlier. As you're opening up to that, there is a lot of things that God could say. As he's encouraging Moses to now hand the mantle off to Joshua, who's now going to lead his people after all those years of wandering in the wilderness, now into the promised land, a land that he says he has already given to them, even though they're not fully in it yet. He says it's already as good as done. God exists outside of time. He's calling his shot. Of all the things that he could say, this is what you need. Do you know what he does? And even if you flip through the Old Testament, several places, especially if you open up to places like the, the scroll of Isaiah, and you flip through, you find all of these references that God, the Holy Spirit, through the prophet Isaiah, makes to the Exodus. He points to this. Look at what God did for you here. Look at what God did for you here here, 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 all the way through the Old Testament. He continually points them back to this pivotal moment in the world's history when God, when God worked in miraculous, obvious, apparent, direct ways to bring them from the land of slavery into the promised land. But now God was going to work slightly differently in a way that you and I are very familiar with. He had been a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I mean, the ten plagues, so cataclysmic. The, the likes of which this world has never seen. Parting of the Red Sea, all of that is very obvious. In the morning, poof, there's manna. In the evening, poof, there's quail. Imagine what that would be like. Dinner's provided. Breakfast is already there. That was very direct and very obvious. And now God was going to work in more of an indirect way. And he knows what he's going to do. He also knows that they don't really get it yet. And so twice, in the words that I read, even more than twice, he makes inference to this important truth. You have to remember. You have to use your memory, dear Christian. Dear believers, Old Testament, Old Testament believers, you have to use the memory God has given you. You have to use it because there's some severe warnings tied to it. Notice what he says. If you do not remember these things, then when your hands start to attain wealth, then what, what does he say? Your hearts will become... Your hearts will become proud. That's kind of severe, isn't it? I mean, it's one thing to forget. Like, if you forget, does anyone really have a problem with that? They're, oh, I forgot. It, isn't that almost like a knee-jerk phrase? Like, we say that all the time. If you would tell me, like, I say, hey, can you help me with this? And you say, oh, I forgot, what would I say to you? That's okay, I'm the chairman of that committee. It's nice to know that someone else besides me forgets a ton of stuff. Forgetting is normal, it's acceptable, it's excusable, it's understandable. But to be prideful? How many of you accept that? Somebody being an arrogant jerk to your face. Absolutely not. That is unthinkable. It's unacceptable. You can't allow it. So for God to say, you will forget and then your hearts will become proud, that's a bit drastic, isn't it? But it's, it's not when you actually ponder it. When, 
when you forget that God has given you everything, what do you then assume? He tells us in the lesson. When you forget that God is the one that gave you your brains, as we said last week, your eyeballs, he's given you everything that you have always needed to accrue whatever it is that you have. When you forget that, who do you then assume did all that? then you will say, well, look at what I did for myself. And to put one's self in the place of God is the class A definition of pride. And it's kind of obvious, right? And we know this in an obvious ways, and I think all of us, and I'm not saying we do this all the time, I am just saying that we do this some of the time, where we kind of forget when, when we receive blessings from God and we kind of make business decisions or recreational decisions or family decisions, and all the while, the last one on the totem pole, or the one who's not in first place at least, is God, as he's kind of knocked down a few pegs. I, again, I'm not saying we do this all the time, I am saying that all of us do this at least some of the time. I mean, think about it. You, you have your time, and the way that you allocate your time and the importance of it. Where, where does God fit into there? Is he, does he get the leftovers or does he see first first fruit service to him and to the people that he's put in my life to serve i don't know what that is for you i do know that maybe the the inner dialogue that needs to take place sometimes is isn't had well, what about the offerings that he the, the income that you receive and then all of a sudden so easily becomes a business decision of the expenses and the savings and the taxes and then oh yeah then there's the thank offering that goes to God is somehow less than the first fruits that, that he would ask. Is he not the God who provides all of it to begin with? How often do we have this conversation with ourselves, not just when it comes to time and energy and service, but also the finances that he's given us, but even time in God's word, that we would remember the promises of God. And since we don't know it all, not a single one of us does, that we would constantly keep ourselves in God's word to remind us of things that we've forgotten, to remind us of things that we know because we can never be reminded enough. Are we in God's word? Is this something that is so readily available inside our ears and our minds that, that it actually comes out of our mouths? We even say it to ourselves as we're driving down the road or we might repeat verses or sentiments of verses to, to people around us. If we're not spending time in God's word, then might I ask in the most bold way, what in the world are you doing? What in the world am I doing? We're forgetting. We forget. And notice that when we fail to apply the memory, dear fellow believer, it's not just a lapse, like, oh, slipped my brain. It's not like that. It's a methodical loss, because so many other things were conscious decisions that took that first place priority position. It's not just a slip, although sometimes it can be. When a person begins to look at their life and their time and their service and their wealth and all that they have and all that they are, and they so easily think about the microcosm that is their, their world, then, then so easily they are doing just one thing. They are, they are forgetting. It doesn't just happen in obvious ways. It happens in very subtle ways, too, inside the heads and the hearts I see in front of me and the head and the heart that you see in front of you. So of all the ways that God could respond to this, and by the way, I can, I can prove this. Maybe first I'll, I'll give you this test. Imagine if God was so obvious in front of you that it was visible. So every single day he was leading you as a pillar of cloud, and then at night he was a pillar of fire. You had to make sure that you closed your blinds, otherwise you wouldn't be able to see. Maybe there was like a nightlight mode for the glory of the Lord and the pillar of cloud. But you open your door at breakfast time and poof, there's breakfast. 
Lunch, you maybe had to figure that out yourselves, but he maybe gave you enough to kind of hold you over, and then you're coming back from work or wherever you were, and then there in your driveway is everything. It's all boxed up and neat. Even better than Amazon could do it. There's dinner. It's all ready to go. It's all ready to go. Every single day, there he is, pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, breakfast, dinner, pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, breakfast, dinner, every single day. Do you think you could say to yourself, yeah, I just didn't see where God was in my life today? Maybe like a burst of flame would kind of singe some of your hair to remind you. (laughs) Is God any less present in your life right now? Just because he has chosen to work indirectly through the people around you, which are gifts from him for you, just because he has chosen to work through your abilities to give you all that you need, just because you are able to accrue wealth and to buy things, and so because of those steps in the process, you forget all that it took to get that loaf of bread on the shelf, provided it's not an apocalypse. All of the things God works in you and through you to give you all that you have, but as soon as we're able to do a couple of things, what happens? We so easily forget. It doesn't mean that God's not present. It doesn't mean that he's not powerful. It certainly doesn't mean that he's not providing. It just means that we're failing to see it. It's interesting. If you open up your Bible sometime this week and you read the beginning of Deuteronomy 8, you know what God said? In verse 4, he makes a reference to the fact that their shoes didn't even wear out. I mean, think of that little mini miracle. How many cobblers do you know living in the wilderness uh, in the Sinai Peninsula? So God just does this little thing by making sure that of all the walking and wandering they did over all those years, they always had the same shoes. And those shoes didn't wear out. Just a, just a little thing. We might say that's not, that's not a little thing, is it? However many little things in your life that you and I forget to thank the Lord for, do you know what God could say? I mean, couldn't he say, oh, you've forgotten me. Oh, that's nice. How about I take you little speck of sawdust and go like this and fluke you into eternity and forget about you for all time? He could say, oh, so you've, cho- you've chosen not to remember. Well, since I'm God and my brain is um, bigger than yours, how about I remember every deed that you've done and recall it in front of you right before you think you're going to spend eternity with me or without me. How about I remember all of those? Are you ready? It's a, it's a long movie. Ready? He could say that, but you know what God says? God opens up his mouth wide. And he says things like elsewhere in the Old Testament like this. The time is coming when I'm going to make this new covenant with the house of Israel. When they're not going to have any part of it at all, it's going to be one-sided. I will forgive their wickedness and I will choose to remember their sins no more. God takes the compilation of your ingratitude and mine, my unthankfulness and yours, along with every sin, and he put it on Jesus, that new covenant, and he punished him so that when God looks at all of your sins, Do you know what he has? The one thing that God, who knows all and remembers all, can do, guess what? Guess what he has? He has a memory lapse. But God, what about that time when I was here? Come come again, I I don't know what you're talking about. I buried that in the depths of the sea as far as the east is from the west, as high as the heavens are above the earth. When I punished my son and your sin with it, then that is no longer to be seen. I can't even recall such a thing. Instead, when God looks at you, do you know what he says? He says things like this through the the writer to the Hebrews, 13, verse 4. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Put another way, never, never will I forget about you. And how could a father forget about his own child? The father who put his name on you in the waters of your baptism, 
who feeds you with eternal blessings that could only come from his eternal son in the Lord's Supper? Who sends not just his word to affect your ears and your eyes, but to impact your mind and your heart and cement them into your soul so that you would know that you are a child of God now and forever and he will never forget you and he always is mindful of you. This is the kind of God you and I have. So dear Christian, you want a wonderful not just week or day of Thanksgiving, but a wonderful year? Use your memory. Remind yourselves of all the promises of God which are a yes in Christ. All of the ways he has not just provided for your life and for your body, but for your soul. He can't remember a single sin you've done because he punished his son to make that a fact. And just to prove it, the tomb is still empty. Remember that. Remember that. So what else can you remember this week? Maybe you can remember what that young man remembered. He took his father's hands. And as soon as his father's hands touched the warm water, he winced because of some fresh cuts from that day and the soap got in there. He saw calluses on top of calluses on top of calluses, scrapes and scars, a new bruise, and he asked his father what that was about, and some boards fell down and it knocked him on the forearm and there was new redness and swelling. And as he set his father's hands flat on the towel and then flipped them over again, he saw more and more scars on the backside. He remembers that one when his father thought he was going to lose his finger. He remembers that other one when his father came inside and needed to get stitched up. And so he dried his father's hands off, and a deep sense of humility came over that young man. And it wasn't just that young man. A deep sense of humility also came over that father. The young man went back the next day and sat before that CEO, and he told the CEO, I can't take this job. And the CEO said, well, I wasn't sure if I was going to give it to you anyways. And the young man said, well, at least you're honest. CEO said, well, at least if you're going to tell me that you can't take this job, please tell me why. And the young man said, so many times I've forgotten and I've taken it for granted. I thought the resume had it all and that I've earned it all and I forgot the only way that I was even able to kind of type these things out to begin with, much less to have this education and the opportunity to apply for this job. And the CEO said, well, I, I have in mind the, one of the other candidates who's coming after you for their second interview, so um, I understand that. But one more question. And the young man said, yes. He said, what are you going to do? If you don't get this job, have you applied elsewhere? He said, yeah, I had some other meetings scheduled, but I've canceled them all. Well, what are you going to do? And the young man said, I'm going to go work with my dad for a while. And the CEO said, the job is yours. When God calls you to recall the things that he's done for you, he doesn't tell you that you have to earn anything. He simply tells you that it's already done. He doesn't tell you to go and wash the hands of the people that have gone before you, although it might be a healthy exercise. He simply tells you to look at the hands that have already been pierced and scarred for you. Those wounds still remain. Jesus used those wounds to point, to Tom, to point Thomas and the other disciples to the eternal payment that is already made in full. God simply still through his Son wants you to look through God's word and remember everything that Jesus has done for you and that doesn't just affect your memory for time but it affects your soul for eternity. You want a wonderful Thanksgiving, not just for a day, not just for a week, but for a lifetime? Look at the hands of your Savior. Look at the blessings that God has given you in this life. Sure, when you remember that you live in a wonderful country that gives you privileges and opportunities that don't exist hardly anywhere else, not just in this world, but in all of history, then you'll complain a lot less and you'll be a lot more thankful.
because you remember. You look at the finances, not just that God hasn't given you, but the finances he has given you, and you remember all the things throughout the decades that he's given to you. Some of those that you can't explain and some of those that you can't. Sometimes we use the word, it's a God thing, and I kind of like that because it's good. It points people in the right direction, but I also kind of hate that phrase. Why? Because when you say that it's a God thing, you're also kind of applying that there are some things that aren't God things, and there's no such thing as a thing that's not a God thing. No, but when you look at all the things that God has given you and you remember, then, then you're so easily focused on all the things that God has given you in the past. You look at your family and everything that's happened before and all that you have now, sure, it's easy to focus on the struggles, but not if you're using your memory, dear Christian. All the blessings God has given you when you're using your memory, it gives you not just the reason to be annoyed or frustrated or to bicker and, and, and quibble, but to, but to be thankful for everything that God has already given you. Pastor Zell pointed it out this way this week. He said it's kind of like an illustration here. It's kind of like sitting in a rowboat. If you want to use a rowboat correctly, you don't face forward. You face backwards. You look at everything that, that you've crossed, every little square foot of water that you've gone over. You're not looking at where you're going in, in the front. In fact, if you've ever done a rowboat, you know you start going in circles if you start looking and getting out of balance. No, you, you have a mindfulness of the past. Dear Christian, use your memory. You have it. Use your memory. Use your memory as you remember everything that God has done for you through, your, through his word through his life, death, and resurrection for you. And when you do that, you're not just going to have a thanksgiving that is all in, so to speak. You're going to have a life of knowing all the ways that God is all in for you. And then your heart will do, as we just sang, it will overflow with thankfulness to God. The God and Savior whose hands are still pierced for you, the payment is fully made for you, who simply enlivens the faith inside of you to look back at all that he's done for you. And you and I get to not just say, but we get to live a life of thankfulness. May God grant that to you all. Amen.